From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy showing for April 10th, 2018. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show, uh, welcome back to the show, I should say, somebody who has a very unique uh, thing on his resume. He has produced a golf event from Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia. He is the lead tournament producer for Golf Channel, Brant Packer, who was the producer of the Drive, Chip, and Putt Championship uh, two Sundays ago. Brant, welcome back to the show. Hey, my pleasure. My last time we spoke was the uh, Tuesday um, at Sony. Correct. Later, we had a missile alert. So let's just there you go. There you go. Yeah, let's hope that there's no uh, that there's no odd uh, phone alerts coming your way. So um, I, I think I think people will be fascinated by this because Augusta National is this mystical place. Everybody wants to go there a just to see the place, b to watch the Masters. I was lucky enough to see a practice round there in uh, 2012. And then you have the luxury of actually working on the ground. So let's just start at the very basic level. Had you ever been to Augusta National before the drive, chip, and putt started? Yeah, I had. We, um, I used to go with my, my parents. Um, my dad would do the final four and that championship game on Monday. And we always had tickets on Wednesday. Mm. So I was very, very lucky uh, and fortunate to go. In my first we always lived in North Carolina, so it was an easy trip to get down to Augusta for the day. So we'd either go Tuesday night. Um, and stay at the CBS houses and then go Wednesday or go Wednesday and stay Wednesday night. So I, I was very lucky. And then um, my last year at ABC in 2006, um, Mr. Tom Cousins, uh, who's does such great work at the East Lake, um, he invited Ian Baker Fitch and I to play. So I had the great fortune in 2007 in May to mm. stay there for a couple days and play with Ian and Mr. Cousins. He was wow. very nice enough to to invite us, and, and we played nonstop. So um, I, I've been extremely lucky, and, and I can tell you it never gets old. And um, I, I get emotional anyhow, and I, I, I get emotional when I walk there and, and when I leave there. It's, it's just a special place, and it never gets old. Um, I, I just think it's the greatest place on earth. Mm. Um. For those who haven't seen it, Masters.com uh, had a great article uh, that was posted Sunday morning about all the CBS infrastructure and what they have to do to have both the regular TV feed and the four digital streams and just everything that goes into their production. When you guys come in for drive, chip, and putt, are you working out of their trucks or do you have your own setup which you guys have to set up and then tear down? No, that's a great question. When we first did the initial survey six years ago now, which is scary, uh, that was one of the discussions, and we weren't quite sure where we are going to set up. So we actually come in um, Wednesday of that week, and our compound, TV compound, is to the right of the driving range. And it's kind of the paved area by the caddy area, uh, between uh, the right side between the caddy area and the media center. And we're out of there at 4 o'clock. The trucks are packed up, and you would never know anything was there 4 o'clock on Sunday. Mm. We have our own separate... And, and, a lot of it was cabling. We didn't want to go, you know, it was, it was a hike to go to where the CBS compound is, which is kind of um, left of 10 and 11. Uh, and it would have been way too far. So it's, it's easier for us to get, have access in our, uh, our TV trucks. Mm, and then uh, uh, um, as an extension of that, 
The one camera shot which is iconic for the drive, trip, and putt is that you use the CBS tower from 18 for the putting portion. Is that a weird wiring job where you're basically linking into the one aspect of the CBS portion for drive, trip, and putt? Yeah, because that's really the, uh, the first year they had two putts on the practice putting green. Right. And we, we linked in with them um, with a camera, and we... We show the jib um, that's on the chipping area. So, um, yeah, that, that's, the, that's really the only one that, that makes sense. We're in the same spot. Um, we use several of their platforms, but that's the only one where we share something. Mm. Um, it's a fascinating concept just in general, just, you know, as a total um, outsider just to think about, which is you've probably got, you, uh, um, you've got players prepping and arriving, You've got members, this is the last day they can play on that Sunday. You've got, I'm sure, tons of CBS folks running around getting stuff ready. And then you've got all these um, competitors for drive, chip, and putt, their guardians, and then some patrons on the ground. Um, It's got to be, I'm not sure if hard to keep your ducks in a row is, is the right phrase, but it seems like there's a lot of activity behind the scenes and trying to get everything situated and not step on each other's toes might be a little hard at times. Yeah, it's funny. The first year we did it, you know, we did the survey, and then we talked about, um, we did the survey in that September, uh, before the first year. And then we, we sat down and said, okay, what exactly do we have here? You know, we're not, you know, we have 80 kids, um, how is this going to work? And we played with a bunch of, of ideas. J.J. Weaver, who's the pro at Augusta, um, and myself worked a lot about timing and, and how, do we, how do we do things, how do we get everybody through, um, how is this going to work? And the smartest thing we did is we numbered the kids. So we have a number system, mm. um, and, and we, we rotate their order, their playing order every year. So, for example, uh, this year the girls, 14, 15, peaked off early. They were teed off first. So those 10 kids, we number 101 through 110. And then we had the boys 7 through 9 teed off second. And we number them 201 through 210. So that goes all the way through. So the boys 14, 15 were the last ones to tee off. But they're 801 through 810. So we work in numbers first. So, um, for example, I think this year 101 was Jamie Morris, the 14-year-old girl. So for us to say, you know, if I sat in there and told my announcers, okay, I'm going to Jamie Morris. That does them no good. So what we ended up doing, our bios are all done in numbers. Mm. Our uh, hitting order is all done in numbers. So I'll say, for example, okay, um, coming your way, we're going to 101. And so that's everyone's trigger to know if your graphics, you're calling out 101. If you are the announcers, you got to get your book open to 101. And then I say Jamie Moore's second drive or first drive. Um, you know, 601 was Andrew Lim, who's the boys 12, 13. So we might be, let's say Jamie is on the 18th green. So I'll say, hey, 101, second putt. Here she goes. And then we'll be until, okay, 601 is going to drive first. So I might say, if we had just the winner on driving, I would say to him individually, hey, come to the way with 601. And then I would say, okay, leaving here, going to 601, Andrew Lynn, first drive. So that initial number is where everyone gets on the same page of who we're going to. And then once you get the number, then you realize, okay, it's Andrew Lynn, where's he from? You know, we have this unbelievable research packet. And Justin Leonard was the first year he did the tournament this year. And we were talking about the strategy. And I said, look, Justin, it's a combination of three things. It is the opening ceremonies meets the Macy's Day Parade meets 
a drive chip putt competition. <laughs> and that's really the best way to describe it because, you know, you can't just say, okay, we're going to the 802 J. Nemo second chip. Okay, what does that mean? So in, in one respect, okay, he has a chance to win the chipping competition. So that's, that's important. But then we have to tell the story. And right. the other thing we did is we kept the order the same in the drive of the chip so that when the 101s left the drive and they go to the chip, they're teeing off from 101 to 110. And then we reshuffle when we get to 18th green based on the points accumulated. So when we get to 18th green, they're in the order of the least points all the way to the most points. And then we have a computer system and interface in front of us that cuts off who has the, who has the chance to win. So some of the kids you know, might only be mathematically four of the last four kids have a chance. Some might be only the last five kids. So we know when they go off the 18 green, I can go elsewhere and get things in. And then I have Rob Sharp, who is my co-producer, will sit there and go, hey, on 18 green, you only need the last four. And right now the first one's going. So I know, okay, I got five more putts to go before I need to get back to 18 green. Right. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a fascinating um, mathematical, um, I don't know, kind of puzzle, if that makes any sense. And I think once we did the number system, and you hate to say this, because we go to the Saturday night dinner, and you know, Mike McCarley, our president, he just starts grilling me at dinner. <laughs> Who's that? What number is that? Right. Because we're like, wait a minute, that, they should have a name. Like, yeah. They should have a name. But for that day, you are 505. You know what I mean? And that's that's kind of what's really funny about how, you know, that's our inside joke. Is we'll, we'll come up and do tournaments later in the year, and one of the kids will come up and, and their parents will come up and come in the trucks and they say their name and I'm saying, hold on, wait, I think they're in the 600. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's, it's almost terrible to say that, but that's, yeah. that's how we do it. And it's fascinating. It's, it's a great, great day. That's actually really smart because you would just throw out names. This is the one day all year you're going to deal with these people's names and it's actually very smart because you would be lost. Um, one of the things from a production standpoint, which floored me in the first year, is you had Pro Tracer. You've got a crane camera, which is, you know, just, just you know, you know something you would never see at Augusta. Um, you've got high cameras, low cameras. You've got the, the uh, what is normally the, the, the uh, Callaway driving grid for NBC telecast. You've got all this technology that, like, wait a second, this is Augusta National. Was it hard to convince Augusta National to let you throw all the tricks in the trade that you wanted to throw out for this? No, I, I give Chairman Emeritus Payne all the credit. He's the one who came to us with it. Mm. Um, and he was adamant, hey, we want to get technology in here. Um, so for us, it was kind of interesting. You know, we didn't really know what to say or how to say it. We were like, great, we're in. So um, Pro Tracer made sense on the driving. The, the grids, um, the circular grids on the chip made sense. And we all kind of agreed. We... There wasn't anything on 18 green we wanted to do. You know, that, right. that, it's 18 green at Augusta National. You know, that didn't really need anything. Um, and we've gotten better with the interface over the years where it's sort of a line or something. There's a graphic that says, you know, uh, a brand packer with needs four feet one inch on this part. Right. And that's, that's what we felt like we needed. But, no, that was, that was Augusta National, and that was their vision. Um and they wanted to make it a, a technological show, and it's tremendous because it's helped a ton. That's awesome. Talking to Brant Packer from Golf Channel here on Teeing It Up. 
just as a golf fan for a second, when when I saw the digital scoreboard by 18, I'm like, oh my god, like, <laughs> you know, this is also crazy. Just as a golf fan, when you saw their setup with the digital scoreboards, what went through your head? That was great. It was awesome. I mean, it was kind of funny because it was the um, one of the things I'm proudest the most is when we went to the survey and we were sitting on 18 green. You know, we're on the back of 18 Green looking out, and I, I just kept staring at the white scoreboard. And I'm thinking, how can we, we got to be able to use the scoreboard. So we brought up the idea, what if we did only 10 participants that were playing on that green and put their names on the scoreboard? And then it just, it, it wouldn't pace out enough. And, right. Um, it, I, I don't remember who, but if someone from the Boston National said, I tell you what we could do, we could put the names of the champions up there. And we all just sat there and said, oh my gosh, this is a home run. So it's kind of neat. You see the, the electric scoreboard and, you know, kind of just the way the crow flies right beside it, so to speak, is the white scoreboard that these these kids' names go up that are the same one that a week later, you know, Sergio Garcia's name goes up. Patrick Reed, the same place the Jordan Spieth's name goes. Um, and that gets me every time. That, and we, that shot... We can't show that shot enough. I, mean, yeah. I, I can't imagine. My, uh, my nine-year-old uh, tried to qualify a couple years ago, and I, I got choked up thinking, you know, if she ever could get up there and just see that name pop up, which is the same place, you know, it just brings chills up my spine. But to answer your question, no, it's cool. It's cool to have that electronic scoreboard. And, it, and it's, you know, it's a different, it's a different championship. It's a different, um, it's a different experience. Uh, I mean, it's similar, but it's different, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, would that fly a week later? You know, that's, that's their call. I don't know. But right. For that Sunday of drive chip putt, uh, it works great. By the way, if I heard you correctly, is the white scoreboard up all year? Is that is that correct? Like, if I go there in, like, November, am I seeing the, 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 the iconic white scoreboard? I don't know. It was there when we were, that's a good question. It was there when we were, did our initial survey in that September. And mm. That's when it kind of clicked off. So we... We go every uh, September, October, and then either uh, January, February for meetings. So we, we at this point now, it's, it's such a well-oiled machine that we, we don't ever really go back out. Right. Of course, we do our meetings on site and then um, get everything done when we need to. So I, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, I think the other thing fans would want to know is they always think of Augusta National and, and how proper it is. Are there any restrictions on you guys of what you can or can't do or can or can't say or anything like that? Because I think, you know, a lot of fans think that, you know, CBS has like these, you know, uh, restrictions put on them uh, uh, for, for, uh, for four days every year. No, no, no. I, I want to be clear. I don't want to speak for Lance on this. Right. I don't. You know, I, I work at CBS with the graphics, um, so that was a different world. But for our, you know, for our Sunday, um, I, no, and there aren't restrictions that, there are no new restrictions that there wouldn't be at another tournament or, mm. or event, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's just, you know, certain things that are, you know, in the proper grammar and, and, and things that you would, um, that we wouldn't do anywhere else. So they are an incredible partner. Um, and like I said, they, they push the technology. Um, we've all worked together with the features and the storylines. Um, we'll meet in May. We'll go to the player Championship and meet on that Wednesday with them. And they'll have their list of how do we get better, and we'll have our list of how do we get better. Um, and, and the really cool thing is that the very first year we did it on that Friday, 
Chairman Payne, uh, Chairman Payne at that time, walked in with Brian Roberts and the CEO of Comcast, and he gave a, a speech about this is now the beginning of Masters Week. And he had all of us ready to run through the wall. <laughs> it wasn't a matter of, hey, we're going to show up, we're going to do this, and you guys get out of here. It, it was absolutely driven by him and by them, and along with the PGA and the USCA, to talk about, you know, we want to make this the premier event. Um, so it, we were all in at that point. I mean, literally, we all just said, okay, great. This is a great partnership. We all want to make it. Uh, and I, I really feel like this was our best one of the five uh, because of that relationship about, you know, sending an email, hey, here's an idea, let's think about this, how do we make it better? Um, and and I'm, I'm proud of that. You've just made a lot of people jealous by saying that you have emails for people at Augusta National Golf Club. <laughs> not, not email at this number, hey, what you do on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. And the funny thing is, and Molly Solomon, our executive producer, she always lets me, every meeting we have, we have about 10 minutes of SEC football that we talk. They got a lot of Georgia Bulldogs and Missouri Tigers and Florida Gators on that staff, and, and I'm involved. So we have about 10 minutes of SEC football talk, and that's always on the top of every agenda. And then we get that out of the way and, and talk. So if we can eliminate the football, we might get more done, but that's, that's kind of what makes that, those trips a lot of fun. There you go, talking to Brent Packer from Golf Channel. And by the way, I mean, your production of it and just the drama for these kids and, and just that that one kid that, um, oh God, he was in the white shirt. I forget his name, but just the emotion on his face and the excitement. I think he started crying. Was he the one who started crying with Charlie? Somebody. We, yeah, we had a fun. I mean, we had a kid, Conrad Chisholm, who made both putts. It's never happened before. Yeah. The hard part is... I. The joke in the truck is I, I'm, I'm good for about five cries that week. <laughs> so um, if I can make it to about two cries before Sunday morning, then I got a, a solid three in me. So I, um, it's funny, I watched it that night and with my notepad, and I watched different segments Monday morning and um, it found myself as emotionally uh, wrapped up as I was doing it live on Sunday, which was really cool. I found the same way when we do the NCAA. You know, I go mm. back and, and watch everything um, and with a fine-tooth comb, and I've got my notepad and, and making notes. Um, but I find myself cheering. I find myself getting emotional and re-watching the features. And, um, you know, my wife watches, she goes, my God, you're a mess. You've already seen these things a hundred times. I'm like, I know, I know. Um, but that's cool. And when you invest that much time and energy in it, um, and I, and I got to admit, when we count down, when that show's done, um, I, I put my head down. There's about a 10 or 15 second uh, time period that I need just to kind of gather because it, it means a lot. And, and again, you know, I know there's some people out there that say you're showing a seven year old ship. It, it's so much more than that. And to say that you were at Augusta National and produced an event that they would trust you to do, uh, not only Golf Channel, but the folks at Augusta National, and, and to give that, that confidence that they have, um, it, it means a lot, and it, it, it does not go unnoticed by me, and, and I, I get very emotional um, thinking about that, so it's, uh, like I said, one of my favorite days of the year, and there's a lot of work, I started probably um, doing the format that November prior, so there was a solid four or five months uh, where I'm tweaking things, and I've already started kind of laying stuff out for next year. Um, mm. So it, it, there's a lot of work, but we got a heck of a team, too. So it's, it's special. 
Hey, it could be those the, 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 those kids one time ever on national television, you know. Yep. So you got to do and we them. Show every kid. That's yeah. Absolutely, they earn their way through three qualifiers. They absolutely deserve it. All right, let's make a 180 here as we talk to Brant Packer from Golf Channel. Well, speaking of the Masters and obviously Jim Nance. So, Tony Romo plays in, in the PGA Tour opposite field event uh, down in the Dominican Republic. And I wasn't something that was really on my radar as a golf fan. I was going to keep track of him, but I wasn't like, you know fully in tune i get a text message that says jim nance just called into the coverage i go oh okay then so i taped the replay the 4 30 a.m replay i think it was for that event and i go back and lo and behold you got mr nance on the phone from clemson's practice at the elite eight um uh sorry sweet 16 uh first of all did you ever expect jimmy to say yes to your uh uh, uh, um, uh, uh, sorry, to your request? Oh, yeah, well, it's, and again, I'm not trying to pull, uh, you know, who, who you know, but right. I, you know, I met Jim in 1985, and he, he's kind of a second older brother, and, mm. uh, you know, he worked with my dad. Yeah. In the NCAA tournament starting in 1991 through 08, um, so he is, you know, if you ask my dad, he's a member of the family, so, um, and over the, and we talk a lot, whether it's emails or text messages or, or, or phone calls, and, it was really cool. Over the football season, I could tell uh, watching them that there was a genuine interest and, and uh, I don't want to use this too much, but love that Jim had for Tony. And we talked about it, and he just gushed over Tony's preparation and his love for broadcasting and how much he would pick Jim's brain about former broadcasters and the love for golf. And so uh, when that announcement came out, Jim had kind of given me a heads up that he thought Tony would get in something. And uh, it, it just, you know, hey, I want to give you a heads up on this. So when it was announced, um, I knew our air times were going to be 10.30 to 1.30. So we knew Tony would go early because normally your TV times are, are the late window. Yeah. There are TV times are the early window. So about three or four weeks out, um, well, it should say two weeks out. We knew Cody would be in our early window. And then I started watching the brackets when they came out. Okay, where could Jim go? Because I right away, and I sent him a note and said, hey, you know, I want to make sure I get you on. Um, and Omaha, he was in Charlotte the first weekend. And then um, I knew that if Duke and Kansas won, then Omaha would make sense for him. And that was a Friday-Sunday region. So I knew Thursday would work out great. Then you start doing the next layer of math of, okay, you know, going from Pebble Beach to Omaha, there probably aren't that many directs. So it's probably coming Wednesday night, so I knew Thursday was good. But then I started looking at the practice times, and I was texting him, and he said, well, Clemson's going to be early. Um, let's figure out a time. And then when I saw Tony's tea time, I think it was 810, um, if I remember, playing with Denny McCarthy and Drew Love, that golf course has some long walks from 
11 to 12 is about a two-minute walk, and 12 to 13 is about a 90-minute walk, or, I'm sorry, 90-second walk. So when I started thinking specifics, the 12 holes of three-shot par five, and that was going to be the perfect time to do it because you couldn't get there in two, and I could get them from the tee shot to the second shot to the third shot to the green. So I could really get them for 12 to 15 minutes if I needed to, but what I didn't want to do is get them on 11 green, and then I lose them for two minutes, and it's just, just Jim talking. Right. So we started doing the math and realized, okay, probably around 11.15 is when he would be on the 12th hole. And Jim said, perfect, 11.15, 11.30, hoping that one of the Clemson coaches wouldn't come up and start a conversation, because then Jim obviously, you know, there for doing the show. So we kept texting. I, I literally texted him every shot of Tony. I did a video text. So Jim saw more of the round than, than anybody. I mean, he, I had every shot going his way, so he, he knew exactly what was going on. And then um, we came on the air uh, as soon as he left 9 green going to 10. And that was my final text to him. And he said, 11, 15, it worked great. So we checked in. I sent him a text about 20 minutes before saying, hey, are you still good? This is going to work out great. He's like, perfect. So then we checked in the uh, commercial before, and, and he was nice enough to give us you know, 10, 12 minutes, which is great. Yeah, and, and his passion for Tony showed in that. That okay. dream that he has for him to make the U.S. Amateur at Pebble and then finish yeah, right. first and second and go to... How Witt and Kurt did not start laughing on the air? Because it is one of those Jim Nance just dreams, know. you know? I've been killing him on that, trust me. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Hey, why not? It, it's funny, Tony, I was with him. Uh, Jim had kind of reached out and, and connected us. And so I was with him at dinner Tuesday night and went over and, and talked to him and sat with him and... Uh, he had already got into the old guy. Are you guys going to bring up one in Pebble? Then I going to win a box for getting to Oh, absolutely. Don't worry about that. And, uh, and I saw him Thursday morning before he teed up. I went to the putting green uh, and just started to just, hey, good luck. And, and I think he was nervous, so we talked a little bit. And by no means am I trying to say I know him or I'm friends with him, but he was, he was very nice to me about my dad. He knew everything about my dad, and, and obviously through Jim and um, so I told him, hey, Jim's calling in, you're good to go. And he goes, what hole do you say? So I think it's going to be around 12. So he was all in. He was he was ready to go and wanted to know what Jim was calling in. And, um, I told him I'll be texting him updates. And so he was jacked to know, you know, Jim's going to be falling along, not just by shot length, but just literally just every shot that we had, setting it his way. So he was in good spirits before he beat off. That is crazy. Um, talking with Brant Packer from uh, Golf Channel. What's funny about those opposite field events, just uh, uh, just one question on that, is that, you know, it's opposite field for a reason. You're going to most likely get a champion that, that is not the most name brand guy, so you got to have your research down pat. And I'm just wondering, as somebody who um, produces everything for the golf channel, you got a guy like Bryce Garnett who wins the event. You know, talented player, but not somebody I think who is on anyone's radar to pick up a victory. How much extra research do you have your guys do in prep for doing an event like that? Well, here's what's cool about the Golf Channel with with our Web.com resources. I mean, we had Craig Perks with us. Yeah. Honestly, Craig knew everything about him because he had been on the web. He had won on the web prior. Um, you know, if, if we did not have that resource in the Web.com. I think it would be incredibly difficult. But to have a Craig, and I, and I don't mean to belittle Craig, he did an incredible job on the web. Right. He's such a resource for us. So to have him, we stayed in houses down there. So it was, you know, Gogol and Witt and Kurt and, and Perks and myself were in a house. So outside 
wasn't watching Kansas basketball, which Goble made us be quiet. We had to watch Kansas, nobody could say a word. We picked, we picked Percy's brain. So, um, and the other cool thing, when we do the falls, you know, so when we go to Safeway, I have Kirk Perks and Phil Blackbar kind of send me notes on the grads. Hey, keep an eye. And it could be stuff of, um, he has a tendency to hit this left under pressure to what a great guy he is. So we feel like, and I just do that with our announcers. So, you know, when we get those guys giving us scouting reports, um, man, it's huge. And, you know, you, you can always send the stuff that you get from the PJTour.com and from the bios, but they always give us things um, that, that are tendencies to keep an eye on that are, are incredibly beneficial. And, and again, it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, you're covering a person who, you know, gets their tour card for two years, gets pretty much, you know, the FedEx Cup points, which should get him into the playoffs, you know, gets him into Hawaii, the players. And there's a lot on the line. It could be anybody. And it's so hard to win on the PGA Tour. It's cool that whether it's Bryce Garnett or whether it was Drew Love or, um, you know, Keith Mitchell makes that birdie on 18, goes and plays great at Houston the next week. So um, it's cool to do those stories. I, I enjoyed that. At first, it, it was kind of, well, geez, there's no Rory and Phil and Tiger. And, but it, those, those stories are cool, and, and those are guys who are very appreciative that, that you give them uh, the respect and, and the, the airtime because they deserve it. I have a super quick opposite field story. Um, uh <laughs> Yes, I actually have an opposite field event story. Um, I like I I just watch a ton of golf and I tweet live tweet golf. And um, one year in Puerto Rico, the year that it went to the five man playoff with Sam Saunders, um, yeah. which is run by Alex Cheka, I'm tweeting it. It's streaming on GolfChannel.com in the app, and I'm picking up Twitter follower after Twitter follower after Twitter follower after Twitter follower. And by the time the playoff was over, I ended up with like 30 new Twitter followers. How about that? And I'm like, what the heck is happening here? So I started searching through their bios. Those were gamblers in the UK and Scotland who couldn't see it live and, and were living and dying by my tweets. That's great. That's great. You know, it's funny. We, we were talking about the opposite fields, and and we had a discussion, and we brought up, and we started this conversation with Romo. But if you're a tournament director, because uh, it was really interesting doing that show, and I, I went back and watched it to make sure. I, I, I'm real big into self awareness and Beatback Tropa and Super Brain, and, and it helped me produce knowing, you know, every segment, are we at the right thing? Are we, are we doing the right thing? Am I putting my people in position to succeed. You know, you're constantly, you're, I'm constantly thinking that on every every segment, every commercial, before a show starts, the whole thing. So going in, we were all interested to see, okay, what's the balance of showing Romo? You know, and I got a lot of texts from, from guys, players, and, and people in the industry who I really respect that were texting me. And I, I don't ever check my phone. I, I did this time with Jim, but I don't ever check my phone and stuff during, during the shows. But, right. you know, kind of a... Geez, are there, is there anybody else playing with Romo and enough of Romo? And, you know, it's interesting. You know, he was even through 12, and I thought justified showing what we showed. And then he played the next, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 at 5 over. Um, and we kind of went away from him. But it was interesting thinking about, and we ended up showing, I think, 40, 48 guys that day, um, including all the Romo stories. So there were a couple guys that I called. I said, you know, I'm interested in your opinion. Is it because you're a disgruntled you know, veteran that can't play anymore, or is it because you're an actual viewer and want to know? But where I'm getting to this is, it'll be interesting with 
what happened with Steph Curry and the interest last year in the web in California and in the interest of a brand new event in the Dominican opposite the match play with Tony Romo, if tournament directors will use one of their spots and go this route. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if you don't have a non-Phil or Tiger or FedEx angle story, um, you know, the Barbasol, which is opposite the Open, you know, or do you use that for a college kid? I think it's going to open up a lot of questions. And I don't know the right or wrong answer yet. Yeah. It'll open up a lot of things down the road if you're a tournament director. You take a hard look at that sort of thing to draw interest from non-golf fans um, to your event. And, and does your sponsor want that? So I think it'll be interesting moving forward to see where that goes. The thing that I loved about the Steph Curry one is that that just was laid out perfectly. It is a Bay Area event. The, the charity um, who benefited from it was the Warriors Foundation. It just made sense on paper. This was kind of random. This was a tournament director for a brand new event in a different country trying to you know, um, have people pay attention. So my thing is, is I understand giving unrestricted sponsor exemptions to a guy like Steph in that spot. I'm not sure... If you give an if you give one if you give an exemption in this kind of a spot where it's where there's no connection between the player, the location, the charity, the sponsor, whatever, that's my question. But I think the Steph Curry one was a home run for all parties involved, and he played great. I mean, he held his own. Yeah, yeah, no, no question. And, and, and you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. It's interesting talking to some of those people that said, "Did you see our alternate list?" And is there one alternate, you know, a lot of them a lot of them were players that were in their 50s. Yeah. Um, saying, you know, they've had 30 years to, to make it. This tournament wasn't going to be the one. Um, what what do we get in return for that sponsor exemption? And, and it's, you know, I see both sides. And, and if I'm a tournament director, I, I'd be hard-pressed not to look at that. You know, and the, the, the thing that hurt me personally with the step is it wasn't on television. Yes, I, I thought... To go off of and say, okay... I mean, you get the template now of, of Tiger. Everyone's complaining, oh, you know. And I and trust me, I used to do it as a, as a fan. I'm not the Tiger. But, man, when you sit in that chair and you've got Tiger Woods hitting a shot and you've got another player. Now, I mean, Sunday's a different animal, but if you've got on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, Tiger hitting a shot and player X who's won twice who might be five shots better, man, it, it, it's hard not to pull that Tiger trigger. But this is a little bit different. You know, this is a nice look. Okay, are we... Are we um, and that would have been fun to watch Steph to say, okay, what, what, would, what could I have taken from that that could have helped me with the Dominican? Yeah. Um, and by the way, for those who, um, who are listening who are podcast lovers, I highly recommend uh, sorry, John Oran from Sports Business Journal. He did a podcast with Molly Solomon. He is the casual sports fan who watches the majors and wanted to watch Tiger. He is the justification for every producer and director in the truck and people like you who show Tiger in some people's eyes way too much because he is that fan who is only tuning in just for Tiger. No question. Um, no question. Now, again, now Sunday, uh, you know, back night yeah. Sunday is a different animal. Right. I'm not making any reference to any other event. Right. You know, we, we've, I've had him before, um, you know, Napa a couple years ago, he was, it actually worked out great. He had made the cut on the number, and both days he was first off at 10. So he butted right up against the leaders on the front nine. So mm. the leaders were playing eight. He was playing seven, which is really his, his 16th hole. So it worked out great. So I remember a time in Napa a couple of years ago, and it was actually the hot dog incident, believe it or not. It was the same. It was the seventh green, which is a part three, a quarter ball. 
get with a guy attacking with a hot dog where Ernie Ells was playing, he had a lead on eight, and Tiger was putting at seven, which was his 16th, and Tiger was nowhere near the lead. And I remember going, okay, if Ernie backs off, I'm going to go to Tiger. And Ernie backed off, and I said, wait a minute, what, what am I, I'm crazy. I'm, you know, Tiger had three days to get where Ernie is, I can't go to him there. You know, I'll put him on tape. And thank goodness, because like you said, that was the hot dog deal, you know, which is another story. But, um, <laughs> but so, you know, again, that goes back to self-awareness, that, you know, on a Thursday or Friday, and, and if people are complaining, um, even a Saturday, because, you know, that's really the first day that the network gets them. You know, it's great for Golf Channel, yeah. you know, and NBC or CBS, when they produce that Thursday, Friday, um, that's really when they get, when he plays on Saturday, the first time the network gets a hold of him. And I don't fault those guys. I would do the same thing. And, and I, I defend those guys. I, the people who complain about that, um, they don't get it. You know, and, and you hear from players, too. It's amazing. You know, you say, okay, what? Forget about winning 14 majors. Win 14 events. And then let's have this conversation on why you're not getting shown versus that versus Tiger getting shown. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's, that's the harsh reality to it. Play better. Sunday late, I get it. I totally get it. I think that's where, you know, when they make the turn and you've got nine holes to go, um, that's when player X at 12 under is better than Tiger at four under, and he, he deserves that. But prior to that, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, you know, the guy is, is incredible, and the comeback's incredible, and, and he, he draws the eyeballs, man. How have we gone 37 minutes on a podcast and not talk college golf yet? Uh, um, whatever you want. All right, so uh, first of all, Chairman Ridley announces the Augusta National Women's Amateur. And to me, this is a fascinating story from a women's college golf standpoint. And as somebody who loves college golf as much as anybody I know, I'm, I'm fascinated for your thoughts. Because now, some of these people who, uh, 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 some of these ladies who may have thought about turning pro after this year's NCAAs have a decision to make. If you're in the top 30 um, and are American in that official uh, women's amateur golf ranking by the cutoff date, you're going to Augusta. This is a really interesting decision that some players and coaches have this offseason. Yeah, I agree. I'm anxious to get to Stillwater, and I mean, I've texted with a ton of them so far with the coaches. So I'm anxious to get uh, when they all get together, and, and you kind of, this is kind of similar to the Q School um, fiasco that the poor women have to go through yeah. in September. But it, you just kind of sit back and listen into everything. But the first thing is the level of play is going to be so great. Um, you know, I looked the other day, like the women's amateur, the world amateur rankings. I mean, and the cool thing for me is that all these women are going to be in the NCAAs, assuming they get through regionals, which they should. But, you know, like Lily Abu is the number one ranked women's amateur in the world. She plays at UCLA. She's a stud. She'll probably win the Onica Award. Uh, Leona McGuire looks like she's been at Duke for 55 years. Jeff Senior, you know, we saw her in Rio a couple years ago. Jennifer Cupcho's third. She plays at Wake. She should have won the individual last year. She had not hit the nine iron in the water uh, on the second to last hole in Monica Gowan won. Uh, Albon Valenzuela and her teammate Andrea Lee are four five at Stanford. Um, Albon played great at ANA last week. You know, we've seen her at the Eastway Cup. And then I think 7, 11, and 12 are Lauren Stevenson, Cheyenne Knight, Kristen Gilman, who are all playing at Alabama. So, I mean, there's eight of the top 12 who, again, you got to get through regionals, but I'll be shocked if they're not factors at the NCAA next month. And just to see the level of play, and, and again, I, 
I've flown out to L.A. and, and watched them play for scouting trips. I was in Auburn two weeks ago because I had not seen Arkansas uh, or South Carolina to watch them play. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a game changer for them. But again, there, there are going to be some things, you know, if A&A stays opposite, you know, they give exemptions to the amateurs as well. So um, there's some things that will be interesting to watch from 10,000 feet to see, you know, what are they going to do. But the opportunity, it, it's just amazing. It, it's, it's, I think, it's an absolute game changer. And the other thing, this is terrible to say, you know, they play a champion's retreat the first two days, which is an unbelievable facility. So, you know, to go to, to I assume you'll get a, a practice round at Augusta, Chambers retreat, or Champions retreat, uh, and then Augusta National. I mean, that, that's, man, I, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday is unbelievable what they're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, the, the, uh, thing about it too which i think is cool is that and and mike wands talked about this a ton um the thing about women that uh, uh uh young women players that a lot of 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 men who don't like the lpga tour don't realize is that those are the games that are most relatable to the average guy and you can learn stuff from them and how they play those little touch shots around the greens at augusta is going to be fascinating so just as as golf fans i think it's going to be fascinating to see how they attack a golf course, it'll be from shorter tees, but just to see how they navigate all those interesting areas is just going to be fascinating in the run-up. And I also think the I, I also think that this may be the impetus for the A and A to move. I know there's a lot of media members who would like it to move. Uh, 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 sorry, like it to move so they can cover that and then Augusta and cover both and give the LPGA the coverage that it wants. I think yeah. this could be the impetus um, for it to move. Uh, you d- and that's why, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, there's a lot to, to work out. But I think the cool thing, too, I'll take it a step further. I think people are going to be shocked how far they hit it at Augusta. Mm. Um, my wife played in, in several USAMs and a couple of mid-AMs that I've caddied for, and I always joke about, oh, my gosh, I hear nothing but thin shots. You know, it's kind of our inside joke. And I remember a concession a couple of years ago when we had the women, and I'm on the range, and you're hearing this compression. And the level of athleticism and the power that they have now, it, it's awesome. And I, I can't wait. You know, they can play whatever teams they want or from whatever length they want. But I can't wait to see. Um, again, you, you have some players that are more strategic that, that don't hit it far. But majority of them now, man, it, it's just a different sounding um, shot. It's a compression. They hit it far. Um and the short games are great. I, I, it'll be phenomenal. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, Judy Rankin was talking about that with Lexi on uh, one of the A&A telecasts, that just the sound that comes off her club is, is just yeah. so so uh, so unique. You uh, you told me before we press record that you'll be going to Karsten Creek, the side of this year's NCAAs, which you'll see on Golf Channel in late May, and I think the first week of June. Is it, is it both late May or is it the last week of May, first week of June? This one's actually in late May. Okay. Uh, uh, coming up next month. Uh, you have one more scouting trip to Karsten Creek. Just for the folks out there who have no idea what a production scouting trip is like, what are you looking for when you go to these golf courses? I, um, I go to a golf course. Well, first of all, I talk to as many people as I can associated with the course. Um, this is kind of cool because uh, I'm with Brad and the men's coach uh, and Courtney Jones, the women's coach at Oklahoma State. I, I picked their brains nonstop about it, just in terms of, you know, give me the, where's the prevailing wind, give me the keyholes, give me the key shots. Um, I'll go to Google Maps and learn the course 
just so I have an idea. And then when I first go to a golf course, uh, we go about a year out, I have my stopwatch and I will walk every green to every tee. So I time exactly how far every walk is. So I know what are the long walks, um, where can I sneak a commercial in. If I'm, you know, in match play, if this match is going to 15 and it could end, 15 knows awesome part three, what's the water from 14 to 15? So I can take a break or maybe not take a break. Make sure I'm at the tee shot live, go to break and come back live. So my first thing is I'll probably drive around the golf course twice and just familiarize myself with everything. Then I'll time it and I'll walk it. Um, and then I will find out the prevailing wind. And in my mind, I'll have key shots and I'll kind of know, okay, this is going to be a pivotal hole. This is a great driving hole. Um, but what's really interesting is that doing the men's and women's from the same golf course, um, our, the first year we did that was concession. And it was an, even though it's the same golf course, it was an entirely different, I had to learn an entirely different course once the women left. Because the men just took different sight lines. And the same thing happened at Eugene Country Club. Um, same thing happened at Rich Harvest Farms, where, you know, I, I know it's been about 15 or 16 days during the SBA, but I don't ever leave. I stay between and watch everything. Um, and so, you, you know, you leave the women's having done a week, say, okay, I got this course down. Then the men show up, and it could be different pars. I mean, at Eugene Country Club, they changed two of the pars on them. Um, I think it was seven, seventeen, and so now you got to say, I'm used to this being a par five. It's now a par four. Um, the women took this shot or this line. The men are going to take this line, and I'll, I'll take notes on every hole. Especially for a director, we might have to move some fairway cameras just because the men hit it in different spots than the women do. So it's kind of um, I try to get as much prepared as I can. Like you said, I. I flew to L.A. Uh, to watch one of the women's events that, that they had out there uh, to get a feel for everything. I drove to Auburn, watched a full day. We flew to Vegas to watch the, the Southern Highlands. Um, I'm going to go down two weeks for the SEC. They have six teams in the top 12 right now. So I'm going to watch uh, two days of the SEC to get for the men um, as much as I can before we go. So it's not only learning the golf course, but now it's learning the teams and the players and the tendencies and then try to be as prepared as you can before we go on the air that Monday. And this is why Golf Channel's coverage of the NCAAs has been so well received since it started, what, four years ago? Is this is this year five? We did the men at, um, at Prairie Dunes. It was our first year. Yeah. Then, Crazy. Time flies when you're having fun. I know. And I can't wait. There's so many great storylines. I mean, there's, from the women's side, you know, there's four teams that have kind of separated themselves. Um, you know, if you look at it, they all play their best. You know, UCLA, Bama, Arkansas, Maybe you put Stanford in that spot, and then, you know, Duke, South Carolina, Texas, Furman, SC kind of right behind them. And then on the men's side, I mean, Oklahoma State's won seven straight events. They've won eight of nine uh, this season. And, and they've had four guys who are just killing them. Um, and they're playing at home. So it's going to be fascinating to see that Oklahoma, if it were stroke play, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. But it's interesting talking to all the coaches match play you never know and they think playing at home might put more pressure on them and there's some teams that that have some some studs that want a piece of oklahoma state so it, it man I, I can't wait it's gonna be great and uh i i just love when you throw uh, uh, uh throw up those tweets from those pga uh tour guys and the lpga tour ladies because they want to see their alma maters win and 
It's just, you know, it, it's so it's so odd for them to be spectators, but that's what they essentially are watching this. They're just sitting there as proud alumnus, you know, stressful. And, you know, you saw that tweet from Tiger a couple of years ago with the Stanford women. He was so pumped to see what, um, uh, 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 what they did in the comeback from Stackhouse and just that whole thing. He was pumped. He was into it. Well, let me give you another one, too. So it's about four years ago at the drive chip putt Saturday night. There's always a big function at the Marriott that Saturday night. Dr. Carlisa Rice is walking in, and she was by herself. And I just went up and introduced myself. And she said, oh, you did the NCAA. And we have a Mariah Stackhouse um, belong to the same club where we belong. So we, we have Mariah's kind of a mutual friend. And she said, oh, yes, you did the NCAA. I said, oh, yes, ma'am, I did. And she went through every shot she and Haley Davis hit on the, on the back nine of concessions. And, I mean, I, I'm sitting there going, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I saw the highlights. It was like Davis' shot at 16. I, you know, I can't believe she made birdie from there. I, oh, I, you know, I mean, she was, and this was, what, a couple months later, she's just grimacing over everything. So it's kind of cool when you see the alums are so into it. And every range I go to, uh, pretty much starting now, I mean, it started at Sony. I was with all the Oklahoma State guys. Um, you know, Tway and Hoffman, and they're laughing about Carson Creek and telling stories about Carson Creek. And the Champions guys do the same thing. I, again, I don't do any LPGA, which, which is too bad because I don't get the camaraderie there. Um, but it's really cool. They're all in, and it's fun. And that makes it cool, too, that they're all in, and they, you know that they're watching and, and following along and uh, the Oklahoma guys last year who could kind of rid the Oklahoma State guys and all the Oklahoma State guys, including Ricky, you're like, you're coming to our place next year. We're loaded next year. So, um, you know, you normally hear that in football and basketball. So it's really cool for college golf to, to take that over. He is the lead tournament producer on Golf Channel, Brant Packer. He produced Drive, Chip, and Putt. He will produce the NCAA Men's and Women's Golf Championships, which are the last two weekends in May on Golf Channel. Brant, thanks as always for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on Teeing It Up. Anytime. Hit him well. Uh, thank you. I, I will try to hit him well after uh, four months off. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.